iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Yo, technology, what is it all about? There are a lot of uh, misconceptions around AI. They think that, you know, there'll be a Terminator-style thing walking in the streets, but I think the biggest threat is um, to all white-collar jobs. And so I think that 50% of all jobs in the next 10 years, I wouldn't say will go away, but will completely shift to something else. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley. We are back. I hope you all had a fabulous holiday. I did. It consisted primarily of changing nappies or diapers for our American listeners, eating and taking naps. It was fantastic. I must say, having an infant has really rekindled my love of the nap. After a long night, uh, they're, a, they're a game changer. Anyhow, I am now back at the cold face and very much not napping. And we have a great show for you today. Josh Browder is here, first guest of 2019. And Josh is young. Actually, he's uh, still officially a student at Stanford, but he is uh, a man in a hurry. He's the founder of Do Not Pay, which is what he likes to call the world's first robot lawyer. And what it does is it uses AI to perform a whole bunch of legal tasks for you for free. From everything from challenging parking tickets to acquiring land or just suing anyone in small claims court. Uh, And all you have to do is download the app. And Browder's goal is pretty lofty. What he wants to do is to put every lawyer on the planet out of work. So obviously that's a big uh, big hill to climb, but he's got some of the smartest, most well-connected folks in Silicon Valley behind him. And though he is still officially a student, he's basically done uh, with his classes or duties at Stanford. So I thought it was a good time to bring him on and to talk about what he's up to. And I must confess here, I also have a personal interest. My wife is a lawyer. So if for no other reason, I wanted to see uh, what he's doing will affect the, uh, the old Fortson family bottom line. Anyhow, I think you guys will dig this one. So without further ado, I give you Josh Browder. So we met, is it a year ago? Yes, I remember. And I think you were living in Mark Zuckerberg's old house near Stanford. That's right. And we did a second summer of doing that as well. Oh, you did? Yes. But now you're, you're living in San Francisco. Exactly. As of a week and a half ago. Oh, wow. Welcome. Welcome yeah. to the city. I've actually just left. I live in Oakland now. Oh, wow. I think San Francisco is the best of a bad situation in the Bay Area. But yeah. yeah, most of the, yeah. All those bedroom communities are quite boring. Yeah. But we didn't come here to talk about real estate. <laughs> We came to talk about the end of the legal profession as we know it. 
That's right. I think that lawyers have continued to charge ridiculous amounts of money for doing very little and uh, do not pay. We're excited to slowly chip away at their growing monopoly. So how do you know you're 20? I just turned 22. 22? I'm getting old. Oh, uh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're 22. Yeah. And you say you're still a student at Stanford or what's no, the deal? No, now I live in SF. I don't take any classes. So have you graduated? Uh, no, not yet. Maybe one day I'll graduate. When we met last year, yes. I remember talking to your father, Bill. Yeah. And he was saying he had to, you had to graduate. Yeah. I think eventually, um, I, the good news is uh, the UK education system is slightly superior, I think, to the US education system. And so there is like a lot of A-level like credits sitting out there. But, oh, that you, you know, took before yeah, you came over yeah, that exactly. might get you so, over the hump. Yeah. Right. So we'll see. I think it's just an administrative thing, which is something that I really like to, feel, like to think I'm good at, since that's <laughs> what I do full time, help people. So right. I can deal with the bureaucracy. Right. One day. So do not pay. What is it? Yeah. It's kind of transitioned over the past year. At the moment, it's every way that a big corporation or government is trying to rip you off or take your time. Do not pay can help fight for you. And so we have 15 different products in this iPhone app. Sometimes you come to it with an issue or other times you connect your receipts or something like that and it even finds ways that they're doing it that you didn't even know about so one example that's really popular is you connect your uber receipts and a lot of people don't know this but whenever the driver like goes in circles and takes a wrong turn uber's charging you more per mile than you sh really should be paying right. so do not pay and find that automatically and get it reduced another example well, so hold yeah. on so uh, because the whole kind of attraction to uber lyft yeah. etc is this idea oh you can see the r route on the your screen yeah. And it's not the classic, oh, I'm out of town. And so they take like, you know, the longest, most circuitous route possible because you can see yeah. it. But do not pay in this instance can basically say they didn't take the most direct route from A to B. Exactly. And uh, a lot of people think, um, how is that possible? How can you do that? And it just looks at the distance. So it takes into account traffic and things because the distance will always be the same. Right. But what if, what if they took a detour to avoid traffic? So what it does is it's actually quite complicated. It looks at all of the routes on like Google Maps and Waze and then averages them, averages them and then only says you have an appeal if it's like statistically sure that you can get So how reduced. many of appeals has do not pay made and or won on this? In this specific thing, yeah. I say we're just over 10,000 marks since we launched in October. And so th this is the most popular product, which is a bit of a shame because I, do not pay does a lot of serious access to justice yeah. things. But this is something that affects everyone, so we thought we should do it. So 10,000 yeah. Uber or Lyft rides have been reduced. Yes, which wow. is really exciting. Uh, it's my favorite product. I use it all the time. I might have to check this yeah. out. So let's go back to the beginning. How did you start Do Not Pain? What was the first iteration? So I grew up in Hendon in northwest London, and when I started driving, I was really a terrible driver. I failed my driving test multiple times. And after I started driving, I got about 30 parking tickets over the course of my driving career and after about the fourth ticket my parents refused to pay for them anymore and so I had to figure out 30, 30 parking tickets is a lot it is quite a lot but um, I've been driving for a long time now around four years so <laughs> yeah okay I, I, I also I think that a lot admittedly a lot of them were fair but some of them at least where I grew up in Camden 
the government is like ruthless um, yeah. in trying to raise money. And I think that's what taxes are for. But anyway, so I began to notice I was writing the same letter over and over again. And I became a sort of attorney for my friends as well, trying to write their letters. And as someone who had been... So you'd effectively yeah. come up with a form letter to write to Camden, yeah. Camden Council, say, this is unfair, I'm challenging this parking ticket. Exactly. And I would look at the... Um, rules and regulations and say according to like the road traffic act of 1994 the parking bay has to be 180 centimeters wide this one and i'd actually go out with a tape measure sometimes and even measure them (laughs) as like 176 centimeters that parking bay i knew it was just invalid to give me a ticket so i just go back it again and again that's why i got so many tickets because i knew that they would get overturned and I always loved software. And after like writing 10 of these letters, I thought this is something that can so easily be automated. And I can't believe you have to pay for these things. Why not just get them for free using technology? And so what I would do is over the summer of 2015, I spent the entire summer basically creating the first version of do not pay.co.uk. And you were how old? 17. 17. Yeah. And then you created that. And that was initially just a website. Yes. You launched it, and what happened? My friends started using it, their friends started using it, and then a blogger at um, This Is Money in the UK picked up on it, and it just completely went viral. I could never have imagined it. It was live for about three weeks, just my friends loving it, but then it went from about probably 20 users, my friends, to like 100,000 users. And that's when I knew that this is not just a problem that affects bad drivers like me, it really is. Everyone is getting ripped off by these parking tickets. So today, we're now in 2019. That was 2015 you launched that? Yes. In those past three plus four years, whatever it is. Yeah. How many parking tickets have been successfully challenged and like how how much money? Are there any stats you can give? Yeah. So over $15 million successful appeals. And that is about 300,000 tickets. And now it works across the US, across the UK and so many jurisdictions that we actually... After 50 million, we just said we're stop. We're focusing on other things. We're st- going to stop counting this because even like counting yeah. it is like really annoying. <laughs> so 15 yeah. million dollars yeah. in pitch up parking yeah. tickets have been killed by your bot. Yes. So you create that in the UK, and then you end up in the meantime getting into Stanford. Yes. And you move out here, but then you kept going with do not pay. Yeah, it turns out that. In New York alone, they make three times more from parking tickets than they do in the whole of the UK. They make a billion dollars. A billion dollars a year? A billion dollars for one city. In parking tickets? In parking tickets. Not even speeding tickets or like other citations, just parking tickets alone. Um, That's an amazing stat. Yeah. And it's not that scientific, but it's widely estimated that it's around that amount, maybe 900 million, something around that. So this is just like a global scam. And so I thought I should bring this to the US as well. And it was equally popular here. As a result of that, a lot of people began contacting me saying, you should do this for like landlord-tenant disputes or um, property tax appeals. All of these things where the government or big corporations are ripping people off and they have teams of lawyers figuring out, brainstorming every day, how can we get the most money out of people? And the average person has nothing to defend themselves except for technology. Explain what Do Not Pay is, though. So it's a bot? I like to think of it as the world's first robot lawyer. And so it's entirely automated and free. And so you come to it with an issue, like I got a parking ticket, and then it plays a game of 20 questions with you to figure out the problem with your ticket. So I'll ask you, was it hard to park because the parking bay was too small? Trying to pick up on those regulations. 
After that, it will take down a few details and then use those details to generate the letter for free, hopefully in under 30 seconds um, that you can send to get you out of your fine. Got you. So it's parking. And what else, do, what else does it do? Uber refunds. Um, so right now we're doing this big thing around bank fee refunds. So like overdraft fees, credit right. card fees. We actually released this new product in the app where you can sue anyone by pressing a button in small claims court. That and that is so popular. Really? Yeah. What do you mean sue somebody by pressing a button? Do you actually have uh, I a have US the, app store? My I, phone is out of battery. but Yeah, I have the US app store. So just keep talking Down, and I'm going to download, yeah, download so Do Not I've Pay. I've got a new user. I'm doing my job <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> if it's yeah. not a very scalable model this way, but you know. Uh, Reed Hoffman says do things that don't scale. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how many different kind of automated legal processes can this bot do? This app can do 15, but I've actually just finished our plan for 2019 and we have 60 on the way. So we're trying to make it, don't tell Apple this because they ban apps that do that use this language, but I'm going to use it anyway. We're going to do the app store for consumer rights. So every issue that hurts you, we're ultimately going to have in our app. When you say us. So now it's actually a team of people. Um, because when we met last time, you were... In this house in Menlo yeah. Park or whatever, it was basically like your typical student house, but it, it was just you. Yeah, so the biggest difference in that house between last year and this year, so last uh, 2017, I just rented a room in that house. Yeah. 2018, I rented the entire house and all do not pay people live there. And so it was really exciting. We're living and working together. Oh, wow. And it's just me and my friends at Stanford, basically. And we have some a lawyer who's involved, so we don't go to jail. Got you. So basically, you are you are actually recreating this whole kind of Facebook thingy. I mean, because that was Zuckerberg's house and he had all the Facebook guys living there as well. Yeah. I think we have a long way to go. And also, Facebook <laughs> is probably, back when we first lived the ho- in the house, it was like a cool company. But now it's probably like yeah. the worst company in the world. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how many people work for you now? Five people. But right. hopefully that's going to grow with our 60 products coming this year. Right. You seem to have a deep disdain for lawyers. Yeah. Why? Well, they don't really add any value. I think a lot of professions, uh, PR people are probably the same that you might be able to relate (laughs) to. Um, But all they do is like copy and paste documents and they charge thousands or tens of thousands of dollars to do it. And the reason they're able to do that is because they're also creating the system. If you're a lawyer for long enough, you'll like go to the bar association and you create rules so that people can't practice law unless you're a quote unquote lawyer. And so it's this system where they're all protecting each other to keep prices high for everyday people like us. Why did this thing in particular exercise you so much? Because I, I've always been the type of person who goes on like Reddit at 2 a.m. looking for like ways to get money back and um, stop big corporations from taking advantage. And I've just, I'm a bit upset that normal people don't take as much opportunity of those things as I do. So I'm just trying to scale my own like legal knowledge and tricks to the world. Right. If you could talk a little bit about your family background, because yeah. this is obviously, you're kind of in the latest kind of line of, I don't know if rebel's the word, or people who are actually just out there on the on the edges pushing the boundaries. I mean, I, I would like to think that I'm doing the least noble thing of anyone <laughs> in my family because um, my father's like fighting Russian torturers and murderers. I'm just doing like parking ticket bureaucrats and stuff like that. So, so uh, you're do- your dad, your dad is Bill Browder. Yeah. He's trying to um, 
there are a lot of people in the world who um, torture and murder, unfortunately, and he's trying to make them pay for what they've did. And the reason he did that is he was in Russia for a long time. His lawyer was tortured and murdered, and now he's devoted his life to getting justice for him and right. others in the same position. And so he he uncovered a fraud, or his lawyer did. His his lawyer was arrested, killed in custody, and now your father has devoted what's ten years plus now, going around the world getting this. The Magnitsky Act passed in various different countries. Exactly. And so, for example, when there was the the Khashoggi killing, the Magnitsky Act was used to punish uh, some of the killers of Khashoggi. Oh, it was? I didn't didn't Um, realize that. A lot of these countries don't hold their own people to account, so the U.S. can do it for them. Got you. And your dad is obviously, Vladimir Putin does not like your father very much. No. I like to think he's like number one enemy of Putin. <laughs> and before your dad, your grandfather was also kind of a consequential person, wasn't he? Um, he was a big mathematician. I'm probably the um, least smart person in my family. Uh, he um, invented uh, lots of mathematical concepts that are used today in like self-driving cars and things. It like dates back to his, oh, really? his work, but very tangentially. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Was he a communist? That was my great grandfather. That was your oh sorry. <laughs> so what was your grandfather gra- was just a mathematician, right? And your um, great grandfather? He was the uh, head of the American Communist Party. He was uh, basically Stalin's man in the U.S., which is, was very controversial at the time. He ran for president against Roosevelt in 1936, and although he only got 20,000 votes, he was one of those candidates that you can imagine really shifted everything leftwards. And this was like during the time of the Great Depression. He also ran in the 20s. And so he changed American politics for the better for the working class right. people. And so when you're growing up, are, is it like your dad have you on his knee and telling you stories about your, your great grandfather, the communist, or, in the kind of, or your grandfather, the great mathematician? I mean, are you kind of brought up with, with these kind of models and be like, look at what they did. What are you going to do kind of thing? Honestly, not really. I think it's more the fact that, that they're so in the midst of it that I just like learn from osmo- osmosis. So just like watching it happen. And sometimes it's really scary to watch it happen because you don't really have any context. Like, for example, I remember the day that my father's offices, like everyone was raided and, and, and arrested in Russia. Oh, oh in Russia, like, right. Yeah. And also the day he was denied entry to Russia and things like that. If you have your way, yeah. do not pay. What what happens? What's the end point? What's the goal? The average person doesn't even know need to know what a lawyer is. I'm actually very lucky. I'm having a sibling that's going to be 22 years younger than me in March. And hopefully... Congrats. Um, thank you. He doesn't even need to know what a lawyer is. What other time he can like think about lawyers. Right. Theoretically. So this is interesting because my wife is a lawyer, but kind of a reform. Well, she's a lawyer, but she's been, she kind of left big firm life and now is trying to get back into it. But she doesn't necessarily love the job. She is in the kind of the corporate world, but presumably do not pay can't go all the way up that, you know, high up the food chain, so to speak, the legal food chain, or can it ultimately? I think there are lots of people doing that. There's an amazing company called Atrium that's like just raised, I think, over $50 million to do that sort of thing. Or is that Justin Kahn? Yeah. I think that they're not going to be replacing lawyers in the corporate food chain, but they'll be automating a lot of work, making it cheaper. But the average person doesn't know what an actuary is. Like Lots of insurance companies employ mathematicians, actuaries to calculate everything. 
I think lawyers will become like actuaries. So the corporations will still have them, but if you're an ordinary person, you won't need one. And so you have 15 kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better word, services that this app does. You plan to do 60. Are there any big ones you're particularly excited about? There uh, there are two things, two reasons I'm excited. The first reason I'm excited is some of these issues affect so many people that it will really give a lot of people leverage. So we have one thing that's really going to fight Comcast a lot when there are internet outages, and I think that's going to be popular across the US. But then we have some that are just so edgy and out there that I'm personally very excited for them. So a sneak peek, I haven't told anyone about this, but... There are about 30 different counties in the U.S. where if you fill out a lot of paperwork, you can uh, get free land, like a 1,000 square square feet of free land. And so we're going to have like a free land product. And I think that will just be really popular. So we're doing like these big issues. A 1,000 square feet of free land. Yeah. So um, I don't imagine it's anywhere around here. No, it's in like Nevada and nowhere. But it's the American dream to like own a part of this country. And so I think it will still be very popular. Yeah. Yeah. But more serious issues like access to justice, Comcast, we're doing a big thing around uh, airlines as well. Basically in like utilities, housing, finance, transportation, all of the big areas of your life, hopefully we've got covered with these 60. Divorce? So divorce is probably still a long way to go. We wanted to do divorce, but it turns out it's really complicated. I just learned Jeff Bezos is getting divorced yeah. today. Um, I don't think we could automate his divorce, but for example, it's very complicated. <laughs> $130 billion yeah. automated divorce. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. And I think they met each other before he started Amazon. So it's yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah, a little complicated. Yeah. And so this idea that, because a lot of um, people you talk to around here is the AI does feel like at least in specific instances, rather than a generalized AI, which is still feels fairly far off, yeah. that AI is developing at a pretty rapid rate, and pretty soon we will start to see it impinge more and more, not only in blue-collar, but white-collar yeah. jobs. In terms of the stuff that you are doing, I mean, do you see that as a an inevitability? Definitely. I think that there are a lot of... Uh misconceptions around AI. They think that, you know, there'll be a Terminator-style thing walking in the streets. But I think the biggest threat is um, to all white-collar jobs. If I wasn't doing this, I would personally be worried about myself. Even software programming, computer programming, a lot of the stuff is now being automated. You can now run these tests, like, where AI will determine whether your logo should be blue or green on your homepage, and it just automatically switches based on what's most popular. And so I think that 50% of all jobs in the next 10 years, I wouldn't say will go away, but will completely shift to something else. Who would have imagined that, like, 10 years ago, we would have, like, social media, maybe, like, 20 years ago, social media managers... I don't know what the next 20 years will be, but it's definitely going to be, it's not going to be copying and pasting documents and charging thousands of dollars to do that. Right. But isn't yeah. that the thing, though? Isn't, isn't AI very good at doing things that are kind of repeatable and rote and have a very clearly defined path of steps? Where it falls down is where it requires some level of judgment or intuition or kind of human reading of the situation. Yeah, I completely agree. There's this really interesting paper, I think it came out of MIT, maybe somewhere else, where they gave AI a task. It was to sort something, sort images, Mm -hmm. and the AI cheated at the task. And so the AI is only as good as the humans that design it. And so I think that people are really bad at designing these systems, so it will take a while. A while. It's not going to happen in the next, like, three years, but, like, within the next 20 years. 
how has coming out here, has it changed how you're approaching this problem? Just being here in Silicon Valley and, you know, being around investors and people who have kind of looked at a problem and actually changed it or solved it or did big things. Yeah, it's completely changed my approach. When I came out here, I thought the best way to um, tackle access to justice is like maybe do like a nonprofit or something yeah. like that. But now I really believe in like these uh, venture back startups like Tesla that really change things for the better. And so for me, my biggest thing is doing these really mass market issues like helping fight Comcast, helping fight banks, something that the VCs can get excited about, but then growing that and using that as leverage to tackle more access to justice related issues like bail reform and criminal justice things. So I'm trying to go for mass market consumer, get leverage, and then hopefully solve the rest of access to justice. Right. But it's a long way from that. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Who's helped you? Here. My investors, Andreessen Horowitz and Greylock, I think, have been the biggest help. But then also my friends at Stanford have been amazing. They're all working on great companies themselves. And so how so. do you pitch this? So if you walk in to say, you know, and sit down in front of Mark yeah. Andreessen or Reid Hoffman at Greylock, do you just show them the app and it's like, all right, how much money do you want? No, I mean, it takes a, <laughs> it takes a long time. What we're pitching is a service that everyone will use. The good thing is like there's no question that people need this. A lot of these things, do you really need like a service to get you diapers more quickly or like flowers? All of this rubbish that people are working yeah. on. So the good news is there's a really a big need for this service. And so a lot of these venture capitalists, I think as long as there's a huge need, there's there is a way to monetize it. Has your the scale of your ambition changed since you've come here? Yeah, it's definitely gotten bigger. I used to think the UK was a really big country. Now I just, it's like the size of, I think, like Ohio or something like that. And so the US is just a completely like 10 times bigger scale, which is really exciting. You're talking about taking on some pretty big forces. And big forces, when they get challenged, obviously have lots of resources to throw at upstarts like yourself. Have yeah. you been subjected to any of that yet? Or do you anticipate it? 
yeah so a lot of so when we launched the sue anyone product that was really controversial a lot of lawyers said that this is like clearly unauthorized practice of law you don't have a license to practice law the software is practicing law you should all be going to jail and literally like lawyers would say you should go to jail that's really scary but on the other hand we have a lot of legal talent working with us to make sure that everything the substance of it is actually okay i mean how has like i don't know the american bar association been in touch and been like hey what yeah. What are you doing here? Well, they're actually really supportive. Really? Yeah, the American Bar Association. Uh, they've actually named me like ABA Legal Rebels in like a positive way. They have like these. They right. Have, they're actually, uh, they have a lot of great people there who actually are forward thinking. I don't think, I think they don't want to become irrelevant. And so they're saying we're going to embrace technology. But the state bar associations, if you go to like, Ohio Bar, I don't know why I'm saying so much Ohio yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. Ohio Bar Association. <laughs> um I think things are a lot more old-fashioned over there. This is all regulated at the state level. Oh, right. Right, of course yeah. it is. Right, right, right. So you haven't had any cease and desist letters or anything like that, or have you? Uh, no cease and desist letters, no. Just threats on, like, Twitter and stuff. Well, everybody gets threatened yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of what you're up to or how you're thinking about this, is there anything else that we've missed or should be keeping in mind? At the moment, our app, although we have a lot of things live in the UK, our app is not yet live in the UK, but I would say by May it's going to have a big Yeah, because you started with a website. When did yeah. you launch the iPhone app? In October. Oh, okay. So that's what you've been working on for yeah. the past whatever year. Yeah. And that'll be launching in the UK? Uh, by May. And we have some really exciting UK-specific things that are going on. Um, and the main thing it's around is privacy because the UK has like GDPR and such strong privacy things. We're going to really show these te- uh, big tech companies what it means to uh, have automated like legal services. Yeah, because I mean, GDPR, it's, I mean, I imagine there's violations going on every second of every day. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, going back to parking tickets, actually, a lot of private parking ticket companies in the UK are like violating GDPR so badly when they send you tickets in the mail because they're not like the government, but they're buying your data from like these databases to send you the tickets. And that's actually a violation of GDPR. Like the most exciting thing about GDPR for me is like a parking ticket advocate is that there's like this widespread violation from like parking eye, which everyone hates in the UK. Right. Right. So there's a big open goal there. Yeah. And you're always going to be providing this for free. Yeah, it's completely free. So how do we make money is probably the question that you're asking. And the answer is the the companies I admire in this space are Robinhood and Credit Karma. And both of them make money by selling services not related to what they do. Yeah, so Credit Karma is going to be on this podcast very soon. That's so exciting. I'll listen to it. I listen to everything, but I'll listen to that one. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. So how does that model of like offering, so Credit Karma offers free credit reports and then that gets you in the door, you start to trust them and then they can start recommending things to you because they're a trusted brand. Yeah, but not not even that. I think Credit Karma soon will launch their own bank. I know Robinhood just did. All of this stuff is commoditized. There's like, it's the exact same between them and someone else. It's just like, what interest rate are you getting? But they can't offer more than what the federal government set or that much more. And so it's about who you trust. And so do not pay is about building trust with hopefully millions of people. So then how do you monetize that in your case? Yeah, we, we touch a lot of things like we're touching travel. So we're going to have like travel bookings. We touch finance. So we're actually doing a lot of finance things. So for example, I don't know, have you ever tried to cancel a flight? 
Yes. Uh, and so, as I'm sure you know, even if they let you cancel because sometimes they have to, mm -hmm. um, they take 10 days to refund the money. So what we're going to do is do not pay. We'll say, do you want to cash out instantly? Things like that. So also we have lots of interesting things planned. And then take a cut of that. Well, we're not even going to make it mandatory. You can say, you can pay it forward to another user and say, do you want to like donate almost? There have been amazing companies that have done this. Um, GoFundMe, for example, it's completely optional to give money to GoFundMe. And they're a huge company. So that's the model. Yeah. Because obviously, to your earlier point around not being an, a nonprofit, but being a company. Yeah. And that being the most powerful way to actually do whatever you, it is you want to do, you have to create something that's big and sustainable. Yeah. The good news is we don't have an army of people typing out documents. So the only cost is the cost of the to build the software. And that is very high. Silicon Valley engineers are expensive, but it's it's infinitely scalable. It doesn't matter if one person's using it or like hopefully everyone in America is using it. It's the same cost. So if there is a way to have services around that, we're not worried. And I think time and time again, it's been proven that if it's a really useful service for people, there's no problem monetizing, but we'll see. How did you do this while you were studying? Or did you Honest, just not study? I The latter, yeah. I think the best thing about Stanford is the people. And so with classes, I just, I liked them, but it was more about getting to know people. But I tried to study a bit when I was at Stanford. But you didn't, you haven't flunked out? No. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't probably getting the best grades in the class. Exactly, either. yeah. Right, right, you know, right. That was never my aim. Well, first year it was, but then I realized there's more to life. <laughs> <laughs> and so just... On this idea of the kind of end of white collar jobs as we yeah. know it, if you had to choose, I don't know, say let's, knowing what you know about machine learning and AI and yeah. its capabilities and how those are increasing, are there like, say, three, I'm just picking a random number, white collar jobs that you would be, if you were working in them, you'd be most concerned about? Yes. Yeah, so I think the biggest one is um, executive assistance or like, those who involve scheduling are involved in scheduling. Like there's a company called X.AI. It's been around for quite a long time where it's automated assistant using AI. And so that's been getting better and better. And so I think in five years, no one is going to ha having an assistant will just be like a status symbol rather than actually to um, do some real, get some real work done. And so assistants, executive assistants, secretaries, things like that. Mm. Um, accountants and lawyers. I have to say lawyers. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Hearing you speak, it sounds like a lot of what a lot of people talk about here is just the kind of the um, elimination of people. Yeah. Have you thought about whether that is in fact a desirable outcome and what happens if that does come to pass just for society? I'm really optimistic. I think the people, the middle class today lives like kings, the kings of like 1800 and i think that will just continue to happen a rising tide lifts all boats and so i walked i'm in san francisco so i uh, just moved to san francisco so i uh, went to amazon go for lunch today mm -hmm. and it's just amazing you just the one just yeah, down the corner yeah, here just down the corner yeah um, and that's such an amazing experience and everything is so cheap and it will just get cheaper and it will just get better and so human needs you are unlimited but they'll get more satisfied with technology. So I'm really optimistic, but I think that it will have a big shift. And so there'll be huge winners and huge losers. And if you're a loser, you need to retrain. And so the government needs to be better at shifting people to the right growth areas of the economy. But um, overall, it's going to be great. 
And so have you talked to the the government, Big G, in yeah. one way or another about, you know, if executive assistants are no longer needed en masse? Yeah. If parking ticket lawyers are no longer needed en masse? Have you talked to the people in those positions of power to about the need to basically set up some kind of infrastructure to kind of like catch these people? I've spoken to a few people, especially in the UK. I love the UK people based in San Francisco. I think they're very forward-looking. Yes. Um, the, the government people. Like with most things, it will come down to the private sector to do it. Like I, I know like Lambda School was on your show, for yeah. example, and something like that is amazing because if you are about to lose your job, you can go to Lambda School and soon within 18 months uh, have a really high paying job in software so it's amazing the opportunities that exist in the private sector i'm not sure about government but we'll see they have to do something because they're the only people that can so otherwise it's kind of pitchforks and riots in the streets yeah and it's definitely going to happen people really hate tech and so that will just continue i'm a bit worried being in tech how hated it is are you i think that a lot of people even if tech is doing something good they like to dismiss it. It's become the fashionable thing of 2018. 2019? Yeah. Well, we'll see about 2019. <laughs> I think it's just going to continue. Yeah. You're right. That worries me because I think uh, there are a lot of really amazing things happening. And if you just immediately discount it, then that's a problem. There's like the stereotype of like the tech bro. And that's really obviously a terrible stereotype that you shouldn't emulate. But on the other hand, too many people are getting put in that net. Well, I mean, just the year that Facebook and Google and the rest have had, it does feel like there is a real shift. And I don't know if you saw that amongst your student, your fellow students, there does seem to be a kind of big cultural shift in this attitude toward tech. And you can kind of, in a certain way, look at it like Wall Street in 2008. Everybody wanted to be a banker. You made tons of money. It was great, blah, blah, blah. And then that all of a sudden, everybody thought they were the worst people in the world. Do you, Have you seen that in your time at Stanford of people being like, well, is tech actually the thing I want to do? The money is still drawing. It's still yeah. the cool thing to do. But for example, um, at Stanford, I, I'm too old for this requirement. But now all new computer science graduates have to take this ethics course at Stanford. Like they've designed this really intensive ethics course. It's very interesting to see a lot of my it's really unpopular because. Oh, really? Yeah. Because a lot of people just like dismiss it and say it's not really like interesting. It's just a waste of time. You can't really teach ethics a lot. So it's criticized on all sides, even among the ethical people. So we'll see what happens. When did they start that program? Just this year, I think. Oh, interesting. You're Cardi on the other end of that. I've, I'm grandfathered in loophole. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think journalists are going to be AI'd out of a job? Because I saw a Forbes story about them saying that there's bots that can kind of create at least a first version of a new, like a typical news story now. Yeah, I think that the best journalists definitely won't be. I think that um, if you're just writing sports scores, then probably yeah. it's not a good position to be in. But investigative journalists or like really intricate, well-researched stories, that's, yeah. it's all about human interaction and that's the furthest, furthest from AI. So just because writing, it's... It's more about human interaction and intuition than anything else. So yeah. I think it's one of the safest jobs. Amen. But PR people, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think, uh, just finally on this question of AI and it's kind of a general AI, do you think that 
will happen because that that general AI, the AI that can kind of create its own AIs and yeah. think for itself on a plane that is unfathomable to the human mind. Do you think that's going to happen? Like Elon yeah. Musk is warning. I think it will start with um, if it's going to happen, it will be like Alexa that makes it happen. To have an amazing AI, you need the data, and no yeah. one has more data than Google or Alexa. And so eventually there are now 10,000 people working on Alexa. I wonder what they're all doing. So <laughs> I think they are working on making yeah, some it's like Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, like the, uh, it's like the Manhattan Project. Yeah. 10,000 people is more than like all of Y Combinator startups combined. And, the fa- and Alexa can't do that many things at the moment. There are not even 10,000 skills, so we'll see what's going to happen. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Josh for coming over to our office downtown to sit down and talk about all the weird and wonderful things he's up to at Do Not Pay. And while we were talking, of course, I downloaded the app, but then we got sidetracked and we didn't kind of come back to what you know he was going to show me. But I did try to do the, the rideshare refund thing because I have all kinds of Lyft and Uber rides in my phone. But at the moment, it only works if those confirmation emails you know, after your ride are connected to your Gmail account. Um, he says they are going, you know, they're going to widen that soon. But right now, unless it's going to Gmail, you can't use it. But that is it. I am back writing this week. So do check that out in the Sunday Times or online at thetimes.co.uk. You can also email me at danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk or find me on the Twitters at Danny Fortson. So... That is it. I will leave you in peace and we will be back next week. We've got a few really great guests coming up in the next few weeks. So do uh, stay tuned and download and all that good stuff. Until next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.